0: Lord, help us this morning that Your anointing that Your anointing will be upon this meeting. And Father, I pray for Your congregation here that uh, we can be blessed, enlightened, and Father, stronger servants in the kingdom. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Our... our. Uh, Heading today, Hell- a Hellenistic mindset can never handle the Hebrews is different from what's in the book. Nevertheless, the content is the same, how Western culture subtly influences Christianity. And uh, again, as I said, this is an extension of yesterday's, um, yesterday's forum, and filling in some of the blanks and adding two things to understand why there is such hatred. It even gets into all of us a little bit. People tell some little uh, nasty jokes about the Jews. I think we've all heard them. Now, the Jews tell some jokes about themselves, but that's okay. But there are things like this, and also in uh, some of our people, there is a temptation to be like the rest of the crowd, and be anti-Semitic. I tell you, um, what God said to Abraham is true: Whoever blesses you, I will bless; and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the world will be uh, will be blessed through Genesis 12:3, and and all the world will be a blessing through you. And that family of Abraham, of course, the Jews. Warts and all. That does not say that they're all doing the right thing. But they were conceived and brought forth to give the message to their own people, or really to the whole world, to the rest of us. And so let's... i got to get in the right place here. Maybe over here. A Hellenistic mindset never could handle the Hebrews. And it's based on hatred of the Jew, the book over there. And there's a lot lot more of what I'm going to share this morning in this. I don't need this anymore. Back in in 176 BC, the Greeks under Antiochus Epiphanes invaded Jerusalem and blatantly desecrated the temple. Many of you know it, some of you may not. Alexander the Great conquered the world about 300 years before Antiochus Epiphanes. And then he he sat down and wept because there are no more kingdoms to conquer. Uh, But then his kingdom broke up into four sections, one under uh, the the Syrian section, which included what we now know as Israel, the Syrian section, and um, Antiochus Epiphanes was over that. And of course, I think you've heard that they desecrated the temple. This is in the book of Maccabees. If you read it, it uh, has never been officially, I think the Catholic Church at one time used it. Maybe they still do. And Apostolic Christian, in our old Bibles, those up on many of them used to have the Apocrypha in it. I don't know that the brothers ever read out of it, <laughs> but the Apocrypha was in it. That's the books between, a history between the old, no, the Hebrew scriptures. I don't like to say Old Testament. Nothing old about it. The foundational Testament and the New Testament covenant. Am I in the wrong place? <laughs> okay. Um, anyway, <clears throat> The, uh, in Maccabees 1 uh, I think it's chapter 1 First Maccabees chapter 1 I think that's where it is There's tells about gives us his history of what Antiochus Epiphanes did and also in the hills uh, one Matthias Maccabee and his five sons undoubtedly they had other other Hebrews with them formed a guerrilla band and they ran the Maccabees out of town out of the temple Um, and uh, anyway let's have a little look at this next slide there's I wonder Rick do you have any control over the lights could we see this well enough okay that's okay there's a they they slaughtered a pig in the temple God have mercy of all things a pig well it, it was just to get at the Jews What's new today? I want I want to ask some of the one of the university students or some of the university students if they've got BDS boycott divestment and sanctions in their school. It's very rampant across the western universities to to badmouth and to undercut the economy of Israel. They're really not doing that, making that much trouble. The economy from Israel is very strong. But BDS, the boycott, divestment, and sanctions, is an element of this Jew hatred all over the world. Anyway, they killed a pig, which wasn't really kosher, you might say. Let's go to the next one. The Jews, along with Matthias Maccabee and his five sons in particular, were not impressed. In Australia, I don't know if you see this in Canada or not, but when somebody makes an affront to the Queen, queen Elizabeth, there's a little saying in the media the Queen was not amused. And uh, <laughs> Matthias Maccabee and his boys were not amused at this going on in Jerusalem and they cleaned house. Uh, next one. Unlike pagan invaders of history, the Greeks did not want to destroy all their conquests. They could be useful idiots. As Joseph Stalin said about the proletarians, uh, when the uh, when the Marxist revolution swept over the former Soviet Union, Joseph Stalin, I think others called them useful idiots, and they used the proletariat to support their plans. It kind of reminds me of... Uh, one or two places today where um... the head guy is in there because of a lot of young people who were not quite dry behind their ears he he went around the 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 president went around before he was president went around speaking to a lot of universities he got these young kids impressed that he was going to do the right things and uh, uh... they were the ones that put him, helped put him over the line into office and re elect him the second time. They did not know what's going on and they did not know their history. But that's what's happened here. Joe Stalin coined the name Useful Idiots. That's what the Greeks wanted to do with the Jews, but it didn't work. Next one. Not so, Matthias and sons, they eventually ran the Greeks out of town, cleansed the temple. Zeus was merely Zeus, no capitals. Yahweh is Yahweh. And the Jews would not, the Hebrews, I want to call them Jews, the Hebrews did not buy that sort of thing. The, the, the Hellenists, the Greeks, wanted to mind control, change the religion. And Matthias and boys said, no way the, and uh, the the when he uh, driving him out of uh, out of uh, Jerusalem and the temple, that was the, celebrated now as the first hanukkah and that is cited in john ten twenty two It was winter, and Jesus was walking in solomon 's porch at the time of the dedication. That is what the Hebrews and many Christians who like to Join in with uh, some of these celebrations, adding a a, uh, Christian support of some of the scriptural things that aren't all that bad. And celebrate Hanukkah. And there's a lot of us that are getting closer and closer to the Orthodox, not to follow them, but they are opening their eyes to these Christians aren't so bad after all. Maybe this fellow Jesus is not what we heard when we were little. And it is happening. It is happening. And many, many of the Orthodox today that Elsie and I know are saying, you Christians are the best friends we got anywhere. And I have great aspirations for them. I suggested yesterday for those that you were here, I'm looking for the Thomas Confession one of these days. Remember Thomas? I had a slide about him. We don't have it today, but just running in there. He said, I am not going to believe unless I see the holes in his hands and the mark in his side, which makes him an unbeliever. I'm not going to believe until Yeshua, Jesus, walks through the wall. Didn't take Thomas three weeks of Bible study. He says, my Lord and my God And I believe this is a model for many God-fearing Orthodox Jews who don't have it quite right. Somebody said, of course, I don't know even how Jewish he was. They said, is Oscar Schindler in hell? Now, good works doesn't save anybody. Do you get that? You know who Oscar Schindler was. He saved more than hundreds, I think, thousands of Jews from Hitler's fiery flames. And there is a scripture verse. Inasmuch as you've done it to the least of these, my brothers, you have done it to me. That is with us, and it's with them. And so, I don't know. I'm not saying he is or he isn't. We're not ju- you, thou shalt not judge. But it's something to think about of the Gentile judges on the Jews. Let's back off a bit. Where's Oscar Schindler today? Who is, it, who is it among us that is qualified to make the call? But anyway, there are things that we are, can relate to with the Jews. They're not joining them, but them re- recognizing Messiah. And again, as I said, I look for the Thomas Confession. I'm getting into too many sidelines here, but we'll go on. I want, I'm waiting to see the Thomas Confession my Lord, and my God. Let's go on. Unfortunately, that was not Aristotle's last confrontation with the Creator. When, when his, as we say in Australia, his mates, his fellow, fellow Athenians, fellow Greeks, went into the temple and slaughtered a pig, that was not the last confrontation with Hellenist thought. The Hellenist thought moved on into the Western world. Back to a parallel with Israel, Deuteronomy twenty-five, seventeen and nineteen. Remember what the Amalekites did to you along the way out of Egypt when you were weary, worn out. They met you. They attacked all who were lagging behind. They had no fear of God. When the Lord your God gives you rest from all the enemies in the land He's giving you to possess, you shall blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. Do not forget. Jesus said, "Forgive your enemies." The Bible doesn't say, forgive a, cult- a cultural iniquity, forgive a cultural system. We're not to mix with it. We're not to identify with it. If you've got an enemy, got problems, we want to get right with them. But an, an, a, a wicked civilization, Babylon, Get out of her my people. Amalek don't forget who what was Amalek? Who was he? He was the grandson of Esau through a concubine. But that doesn't really spell the whole thing. The Jews see Amalek as we see Satan. See Amalek as we see Satan. It's a cover name, a pseudonym of that which is out to destroy them. But as I said in the previous slide Aristotle is not over and finished. Let's go on. And the Lord said to Moses, this is more about Amalek. Write this on a scroll or something be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it because I will completely blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. It hasn't happened yet. Mind you. I've been over there and Amalek is alive and well. And we all follow what's going on with the enemy of Israel in the Middle East. I will blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and he called it the Lord my banner because hands were lifted up. We had something about hands the other day. Uh, Hands were lifted up against the throne of the Lord. The Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. It's not going to be over with. And I would like to, next one, like to parallel that with the Greek side of things, the Gentile side of things. The door was opened to Gentiles, if I am a Gentile fully, the door is opened through Yeshua, the woman at the well, the the uh, Syrophoenician woman and, and the parables that Jesus taught, and The stranger that's within your gates in the Hebrew Scriptures, the door is open to the Gentiles to come into the family. That is part of what, but not all, part of what Yeshua, Jesus, is all about. But anyway, what happened? What happened after the crucifixion? There were a lot of Greek converts. And they eventually became leaders among their own people. And they eventually, be, many of them, became Jew-haters. Called them the church fathers. Enter the so-called church fathers from the first to the third centuries. This was after the apostles left behind or led astray the church fathers. Next. Here's what Ignatius, Bishop of Antioch, understood of the Abrahamic family of Jesus. For if we are still practicing Judaism... We admit that we have not received God's favor. It is wrong to talk about Jesus Christ and live like Jews. That is a half-truth. That's a half-truth. Condemning all Jews, painting them with the same brush. For Christianity did not believe in Judaism, but Judaism in Christianity. It is not Judaism, or it is not a theological Christianity, it is a relationship with the Jew of Nazareth that gave his blood for us and for them. Let's go on. No. Yeah, strike one. I want to get that one. Justin Martyr ups the ante of ignorance of the Scriptures. We too would observe your circumcision in the flesh, your Sabbath days, and in a word, all your festivals. They're picking on their teaching Instead of picking on their practices, instead of instead of evaluating God's love for them and their relationship, we too would observe your circumcision of flesh, Sabbath days, festivals. Were they we not aware of the reason? Half truth, why they were imposed upon you. Namely, because of your sins and the hardness of heart, the customs of circumcising the flesh handed down from Abraham was given to you as a distinguishing mark to set you off from other nations and from us Christians. Strike two. You follow me on this? Next one. Origin of Alexander stated, We may thus assert in utter confidence that the Jews have committed the most abominable of crimes and forming a conspiracy against the Savior of mankind. Hence, the city where Jesus suffered was destroyed and other people called by God to the blessed election. This is the first step of replacement theology, not realizing that Jesus died for all, Jew and Gentile, and again, painting the Jew with a broad brush of iniquity and labeling them all cl- uh, classifying uh, them all uh, in uh, as same as Caiap- Caiaphas and, and Annas hence the city where Jesus suffered was destroyed that's not the reason and the people called by God to the blessed election next more from origin he racially stereotypes the Jews with Annas, Caiaphas, and the cohorts as the, first, as the first raised fist of anti-Semitism, charging the whole family with deicide. Do you see the unfairness of this? You see the, the iniquity of dumping God's ancient family that he chose to work with. He had more on this yesterday that he chose to work with and that Messiah came from. And Messiah is currently working to the Jew first and then also to the Gentiles. But as it says in, I don't know if I have this on this one or not, in Romans 11, and there is blindness in part, God did this to the Jew until the fullness of the Gentiles comes in. Let's go to the next one. Oh. John, uh, yeah, John Chrys- Chrysostom, disparaged. The synagogue is worth the, than a brothel, the den of scoundrels, the repair of wild beasts, the temple of demons, idolatrous cults, and the cavern of devils. It is a criminal assembly of Jews, a place of meeting, a place of meeting for assassins of Christ, a refuge of devils, an abyss of perdition, as for me, I hate the synagogue and I hate the Jews for the same reason. Is that in our Bibles? It's not in mine. It's not in mine. Not that they did the right thing. But this, this bias, this anti-Semitism, this, this hatred across the whole race, the whole race of the people that God chose to present his message. True, warts and all. They didn't all do the right thing. But we see from other parts in the scriptures, and especially the teaching we had yesterday, that God has a purpose for the Jews as we move into the last days. More on Chrysostom. If his venom was so bad, could his nickname have been, they called him Golden Mouth. Maybe it was from the fillings in his teeth and certainly not from the purity of his rhetoric. You can be amused at that one. Let's go on. Enter Constantine. It's found, in the page on, found on page 83 in Nineveh, my book, Parody of the Present. I have that. I don't have it here. But the rise and fall of America. And we're seeing the end of that right now. Constantine joins the church. So with wine and wafer in hand, Emperor Connie joined the church. And let's go. There's, yeah. Up to Constantine, Rome devastated both Christians and Jews as enemies of Rome. But when the emperor tucked a useful church into his hip pocket, claimed ownership to it, Rome did a U turn, and the Jews were left to face the lions on their own. And Rome became owner- owners of the church. That's our background. We're not there, but that's where we came from. Let's go on. Sinners out, and the saints in. St. Saint Augustine. St. Thomas Aquinas, highly respected and highly influential 5th century St. Augustine. Unfortunately, was more primed to Plato and charmed by Cicero than to Abrahamic intimacy with his creator. This is our background again. Next, St. Thomas Aquinas. Was known for and this is in the historical records which I've researched and putting this together. St. Thomas Aquinas was known for writing commentaries, principles of natural philosophy, the heavens, the soul, Nicomachean ethics, metaphysics, among others. No Bible in there? Where are we headed? The Reformation at last. Hallelujah. Guess what? the two most powerful voices in the Reformation, had been impressed by Augustine and Aquinas, Catholic theologians. And this is how they turned out. Martin Luther, on the Jews, in 1543, shockingly penned, What shall we Christians do to this damned, rejected race of Jews? Since they live among us, and we know about their lying and blasphemy and cursing, we cannot tolerate them if we do not wish to share in their lies, curses, and blasphemy. In this way, we cannot quench the fire of divine rage, nor convert the Jews. Some are being converted today, and some will be in the future. John Calvin. By the way, I want to say about, about Luther. Many, many Lutherans today have drawn back and dissociated themselves from Martin Luther's venom. Martin Luther is exonerated and exalted, but he has a few black marks against him, and many Lutherans kind of turn their backs on what he said there. And this is in history. It's in the records. It's there for anybody and everybody to see. John Calvin, there... And John Calvin, hey, he's one of the hotshots in evangelical theology. He says, the Jews, rotten and unbending stiff necks deserve that the, they be oppressed unendingly and that they deserve that they be oppressed unendingly and that they die in their misery without the pity of anyone. With hate speech like that, who needs the Ayatollahs of Iran. That is more of our background, and he is the hero hero of many, many of our evangelical churches. Fortunately, Samuel Freilich and a few others, not that I lift up us over anybody else, but fortunately, we didn't have that kind of stuff in our background, thank God. Next one. The Reformation rooted... Now, this is very, very significant here. The Reformation did root out extreme backsliding, corruption, indulgences, and unholy heresy in Rome's legacy. But what happened after the Reformation to hatred of the Jews? Let's go on. Yet to reform. All is okay on moral matters, but what are the shortcomings in hating the other half of God's family? And Elsie and I think, think of that, the other half of the family. They're coming, blind is in part, until the fullness of the Gentiles comes in. I thank God for my AC Sunday school teachers who said, Never say anything bad about the Jews. They're God's people. I grew up with that. They're okay on moral matters, but what are the short what of shortcuts in hating the other half of the family? To dwell above with saints we love, oh that will be glory. To dwell below with Jews we know, well that's another story. Next. After all of this so-called Reformation, could all of this bad-mouthing suggest a bit of latent anti-Semitic bias in some Christian so-called theology yet to be encountered? Next. Replacement theology, for sure. They used to be God's people, now we are. That's pretty gross. And there are a number of Protestant churches that are very heavy on this. And again, I don't want to say we're good and they're bad. God's the judge. But there are, there are churches in particular that make a very strong point of this. They used to be God's people, but now we are God's people. Replacement theology, that's out of this. This is what was left over from the Reformation. Has anyone forgotten Romans eleven twenty eight? I hope this is on the next slide. I hope so. But as far as election is concerned, they, the Jews, are loved on account of the patriarchs. Who dares charge change that one? That was Paul in Romans 11. We had a bit of that yesterday. For those of you there, as any, uh, yeah, who dares charge, you went back, that's okay. Um, There are theologies, this one, this one, the pre-trib rapture. I used to believe in that. We're going to fly away, and the rest of the world gets stomped on until I translated the 11th chapter of Revelation. Now, there was nothing in there about rapture, nothing in there about the rapture, and this divides many, many churches. We're going to fly away. Hal Lindsey taught it. There were other, uh, what's the? there's other fellows that came out around the, uh, Hal Lindsey's time. God bless them for the good things they said. But there are too many evangelicals that teach this. Isolated texts could hint of it in Thessalonians uh, about uh, 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 from which this rapture idea had come. Isolated texts. And, uh, but it's nothing pins it down. A, like the next slide, don't come up with it yet. But moreover, does the assumption—the assumption that we're going to fly away, the Jews and the rest of the sinners are going to get go through the fire once more—that's not what our Bibles say. Moreover, does this assumption merely kick the Jews under the bus for one last time? And this is one, blatantly one more déjà vu. Here we go again with cursing the Jews. Next slide. Just add dispensationalism is another one. Um, this dispensationalism that then it was this way, then it was this way, then it was this way, and now it's this way. That's not what my Bible says. Not what your Bible says. Dispensationalism might help in interpreting some difficult concepts, but shuffling history like a deck of cards is one more sleight of hand to be rid of problem ethnicity of, or eliminate eras that don't fit into a biased theology. Let's stick with Jesus on the cross and not some of these add-ons that come into things that divide Christian Concept. Next. Non-specific contestcept. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may follow the words. That's not who to hate, but it's what we do to be a little bit more righteous and pure. It's not to judge the Jews or even anyone else. Not to say that everything goes. Not to say that everything's done right. But this is a very, very um, unfortunate uh, niche in theology, pointing to other people. The secret things belong to God, but the things revealed belong to us and our children forever, that we may follow the words of the law. That's clear enough. Do what God tells you to, and one, one of them is not sorting other people out, particularly the family of God. Let's go on the next one. If Scripture is unclear, and if anybody's asleep by this time, I want you to wake up for this one. If Scripture is unclear, uh, there are things the New Testament may not emphasize. It emphasizes salvation, hallelujah. But it there are things like, that doesn't mention like disputed thoughts on the afterlife. The only, there are a couple of texts, but, the, but they're not all that inclusive of what happens. I have looked, 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 and there is nothing to suggest that the afterlife, the last breath, that's it. No, that's Greek. The Greeks say there's nothing out there, so what's the use to worry about it? That's Greek Hellenistic thinking, that the last breath is the afterlife. Going on, it's very important. There is a verse, the only verse we have in the New Testament, uh, sorry, in the Gospels, is rich man Lazarus. Guys messed up in the flames, but that doesn't say anything about what happened between here and here. And it does say things about his former life, but it does not give a theological context of what is over there. And uh, the other one is it's appointed unto men. Hebrews, I think, ten twenty-five, 25, it's appointed unto men who wants to die. After this, the judgment. True, but that is very, very vague, very, very... Uh, minimized of what really happens after death. These days, there are more and more reports of somebody on the operating table, somebody in accident. He has a near-death experience. He sees things. He hears things, things that are very, very real and very, very biblical. He sees things, and he comes back a bit changed. I just read a book recently that I'm not reading many books these days. I follow a lot of research on the internet and I'm reading the Bible but I'm not reading many books these days but somebody put a book on me. It's called Proof of Heaven. How many of you know Joe, Joe Rubick? You know Joe Rubik? I called him up because this happened in Lynchburg, Virginia and I asked him if he knew this guy. He said, well no because now I now live in Richmond. But there was a doctor a high... Profile neurosurgeon in Lynchburg, Virginia. This is very recent. Who, who uh, knew everything there was to know about the human brain except when it zapped him, and he he had a seizure and he went into coma. He wasn't all that old. I don't think he was even 50 years old. But he he went into a seizure and he was out of it for eight days, seven or eight days. And he entered into what he, he, first he says darkness, blackness, but then he described it a brilliant blackness. That's an oxymoron, and it was different. And he, he uh, told in detail what had happened to him, and then there was a circle of light that he went through. I don't remember all the details. That's not what I'm say, sharing this morning anyway. But the fact is, when he came out of that, he said before, he says, I was an E and C Christian. You know what that is? Eastern. Eastern Christmas. And when he came out of that, he was a changed man. And uh, there are some very unique incidents in that particular, in that particular um, account. And <clears throat> anyway, he was detached from a lot of things, but he was a changed man with what he saw over there. And he did not even see, he saw one person, which is very interesting. I'll not get into that. It takes too long. Um, I don't want to run over time here, but uh, he uh, was, was, uh, came out of that and he was changed. Anyway, um, demonic influences are often not really dealt with. Some some people take them out of context. That's all they know. But Elsie and I learned when we got to Papua New Guinea, yes, there was a devil. And yes, our friends in Papua New Guinea knew all about it. Yes, they were able to overcome him. Uh, I remember, I'll never forget. I, I was only there about a year, but I was getting along fairly well with the language, and I met about 12 guys on a trail. And I said, you know, we came to tell you about God. And they said, yeah, we know he's up there. They have a name for him, Yegi Gilt, Ishi Yegi Gilt, the important son, actually, and they had no New Testament contact whatsoever. Yeah, we know him, he says, he's okay but our problem is down here with the demons. I said you look to him and he'll take care of them and they did and he did. And uh we got victory in that. But there are things that are not in the in the New Testament. Judge not or for how long? And again, this is not part of our theology to judge this one and to judge that one and to judge another one. Our Pa, our teaching is to keep our hands clean. These are the things you do. These are the things I want. And, I, and even though with many rules and regulations, some of those can be over, overdone with emphasis, what really is Abrahamic, what really is Judaic, is relationship with the Father. And of course, that's through Jesus. And the one thing that our Orthodox people do not have yet is an intimacy with the Holy Spirit, which has an advantage until the fullness of the Gentiles comes in and the blindfold comes off. There are many, many, many Jews, however, that have come to Jesus in in Messianic circles, but I have reason to believe that this is not all that there's going to be for them, but many of them will have the same similar experience of Jesus in the visiting spirits in the tomb as he did when he was in the grave, visiting the spirits. And I believe he's got a plan. There's no other way for salvation, but he's got a plan to reveal himself to his people, maybe as they pass on, and certainly on his return. Much divisive doctrine has no proof The Reformation stopping short has cracks that Western theology is prone to fill with Hellenistic putty. And a lot of things that divide Christians are those things that Hellenistic putty that fill in the cracks that we do not understand. And much of it will be anti-Semitic. Let's go on. There's plenty that is clear. I'm not sure where that verse is that we just put in, but I guess it's coming. There's plenty that is clear. This is what the Lord says. He who appoints the sun to shine by day. And I had about six variations of this in our teaching yesterday. It's repeated over and over and over again in the... Hebraic prophets, this is what the Lord says, he who appoints the sun to shine by day, who decrees the moon and the stars to shine by night, who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar, the Lord Almighty is his name. Only if these decrees vanish from my sight, declares the Lord, will Israel ever cease being a nation before me. It's not going to go away. There's multiplied more scripture that declares the strength, the same thing, let's go on. Western theology is generous. Name it and claim it. Getting off the blocks is not all there is. There, we are to be growing, growing, growing for the rest of our life. And what we've got here in this camp today is pointing to something we should be doing with our lives. Serving our fellow man. Serving other people. Making known His name. We can come up with whatever you want unless it gets too Jewish. Next one. The bottom line, it's a Greek thing to worship a theology. It's an Abrahamic thing to establish a relationship with your Creator. It's not just the rules. It's the relationship. Of course, many times the rules will help build that. It's a relationship that comes out of it. Next one. It's a Greek mentality to worship traditions of truth. It's a Hebraic thing to live it. I had in last yesterday's thing, and it's in the book, God does not answer to the theology. Theology must answer to God. Next one. We missed that slide. Okay. Where where'd that go? Okay, now go back to it. I was talking about the rapture. This, uh, we there. This is essential. What I said about because not everybody believes that. What I said about the rapture. This is the rapture. Thessalonians does not give the time and the place and the setting. This does. Yet rapture, yes. Thessalonians is not all the answer, and out of that was cracks filled with Greek putty to put this idea that we're going to be gone and the Jews get it once more, along with all the rest of the crowd. Zechariah 14.3, Then the Lord will go out and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. On that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, and this has never happened yet. And the Mount of Olives will be split in two from east into west, forming a great valley. And then the Lord, my God, will come and all his holy ones with him. That's the rapture I know. When he comes back, all the saints will join him. And that is Bible. And Thessalonians is good. Thessalonians fits in with this, but this says when, and Thessalonians has its when by alternate thinking. Now let's go to the last slide. Hater of the Jew, it's over here, and there's much more in there. Thank you for putting up with me, and uh, may the Lord bless the things we shared because it is a very very vital thing to get the whole picture not just our own corner the whole picture and the whole picture is the Jews are coming home warts and all and some of those warts will be removed and I will take you out of the nations that I've scattered you and I will wash you with clean water and you will be clean and I will give you a new heart Take away the heart of stone, give you a heart of flesh. I'm going to put my spirit in you, and you will be my people. I will be your God, and you will be my people. That's a verse we had yesterday, uh, worth renewing. And there's promise after promise of this is coming for the Jews. Many of them renegade, but God has his eye on them. And it doesn't mean salvation just to be a Jew. But, being, but God having his family is a very significant part of the teaching. Messiah came to the Jew first. Gentiles were added. The culmination is a combination of both. God bless you.